Welcome to Psyched for Psychology, a Nystrom & Associates podcast. Our hosts, Michelle Iverson and Brett Cushing, are both licensed marriage and family therapists at Nystrom & Associates. Each week, they talk about all things mental health and therapy, and you get a chance to dive into specific psychology topics that help promote personal development and wellness. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle and Brett. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And today, we kind of figured with the midterm elections coming up, we figured we'd want to talk a little bit today about election stress. You can feel it, can't you? I mean, I can feel it in... Well, you can feel it for like a year before the election even happens, like consistently. Every election, there's this huge buildup that we'll start to see, and it's almost like... An orchestra playing a song. You can hear like the yeah, it's dread like and the volume and crescendo up until the day of. Yeah. So there is pre-election stress, yes, which is really nothing in comparison to post-election stress because mm-hmm. there is going to be a lot of us that are going to be very disappointed. And we talk about stress because, of course, as therapists, this is a very big topic that tends to come up in a lot of our sessions with clients. Um, But another big thing, too, is because we are seeing election year after election year, we're actually seeing proof that the stress is increasing among the entire U.S. population and the effects of it are becoming worse. So the APA, the American Psychological Association, every single year, they kind of do their, um, I think it was like, since we're talking politics today, their state of the union. How is this country doing in terms of stress? And so they release this study and they look at a lot of the different types of stress that people are experiencing and how that's changing. And one of the things that they found, it was very interesting, was that Each election, we are seeing stress about those elections increase among the population. Um, The last time that they checked before the last election, 2020, they found that 68% of American adults were saying that that election was a significant source of stress in their lives. But then this year, can you guess how much? That percentage has gone up to. Well, it was 68. Mm -hmm. And oh, man. Well, it's got to be in the 70s. It's 76% now. Wow. And of that 76%, more than a quarter of those people are saying they are so stressed they can't function. Mm -hmm. And another 66% of those people are saying that it is the current political climate that is creating and causing that stress. And we can see why elections are a big deal. A lot of people um, actually from the same study, 70% of adults are feeling like people in the government don't care about them. This is across political parties. Like mm-hmm. there's no pol- politics involved in like what political party you're associated with. 70% feeling like the government doesn't care about them. 64% saying that their rights feel like they are under attack. And then further, nearly half of adults, about 45%, are feeling like they don't feel protected by the laws in the United States. And I see the common theme in there is powerlessness. Yeah, Powerlessness, nobody cares about me, nobody's going to protect me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, associated with politics is powerlessness. Mm-hmm. And even people, whether you're on one side or the other with 
your political party, each party believes the other is rigging the election anyway. And so look at that as additional sense of powerlessness and lack of trust. Uh, so we, in other words, I think we feel very vulnerable this mm-hmm. time of year. We do. And it's a lot of pressure. We're putting all this pressure on one single day. And a lot of people, again, are having these thoughts that either a single person or a single party is holding the weight of our future and our livelihood in their hands. Right. And and so what I think is, as I listen to that, and I think what you said, Michelle, is so accurate, inherent within that is, I think, the problem we're having as it relates to election stress. We live in a culture where everything is very dichotomous. Mm -hmm. It's either or it's all or nothing. It's black or white. And so we look at the election in that way, too. This Mm -hmm. is either going to be the best thing or it's going to be the worst thing Mm -hmm. for me. And so what we know is that that's our natural way of thinking. We tend to think in the least complex way possible, the easiest way possible, and that's to think in all or nothing manners. And our culture, and and I would say the media, is really creating this dichotomy and that this political person is, is all good or this one is all bad. And we are, are so divided because everything is teed up in dichotomous terms. And when you talk about stress related to elections, that's how we look at it. Mm-hmm. It's either going to save me or um, it's going to sink me. Right. And, and that's backed up by a lot of even thinking about political ads. Again, it doesn't matter what political party, but you'll see some really extreme language. Um, what will be destroyed if you were to vote for this person? Yes. Or um, in, in starting to hear some of that really extreme language reinforces that idea of that dichotomous thinking um, that this is black or white. And I, I hope I'm so glad you brought that up. I hope people are listening are going to be more intentional thinking about that. No matter what media source and outlet you listen to, listen for that extreme language because it's meant to, to really escalate your emotions. And that's what dichotomous thinking does is that we become very anxious when we think of things in those terms. And rarely are things really that dichotomous. And think about the, the person on the other side that you don't vote for. Really what's sad is that we're made to think there is absolutely nothing redemptive about this person. This person is purely all bad. And so even after elections occur, if we, the person we wanted to be elected didn't get that way, we tend to look at that new person who is elected that we didn't want as all bad. And there's nothing redemptive here in this person. And what does that do? That just creates greater anxiety and animosity and resistance. It's a perfect storm. Right. I was going to say, we've already been talking about themes of like people fearing, feeling powerless, mm-hmm. right? Which is going to add to the stress. Um, maybe like the the um, dichotomous um, and, and maybe even catastrophizing fears about what's going to come in the future. Um, if things don't go the way I want them to go on election day. Um, discouragements. And mm. I... I Personally, too, I really worry about um, people becoming, feeling so powerless, um, feeling so discouraged 
that eventually they become disaffected, they become even disenfranchised, mm. really kind of getting to that, I feel like giving up, like my vote wouldn't matter anyway. And then not abil- having that ability to feel like they can engage in something that they can control, which is to vote. Right. It reminds me, that's what we do with mm-hmm. when we feel powerless and we continue to feel that way, we just give up. We, we say, what's the use? Mm-hmm. And we're done. And I, I think you bring up another really good point. That's what people are doing. Mm-hmm. And so we'll notice we're kind of on two ends of the spectrum. Like we become extremely angry and we want to fight back or we shut down completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So how do we how do we deal with that? Right. Especially when, like I said, it feels like cards are stacked against us. Right. And like a lot of things reinforcing to think about this in black and white terms. Um, when we are so focused on these things that are in a way out of our control, how do, what can kind of help us to be able to kind of get through this particular season in which Clearly, with the APA and their study showing, it is stressful and it is impacting all of us as we're kind of getting through the rest of the election season. So what do we do? Yeah, Yeah, because I think one thing I also wanted to highlight as we think about this, that what makes it hard when we're starting to talk about what do I do is that this might go against my values. This other party is represents something totally contrary to my values and my values are essentially a big part of who I am. So what do we do? I mean, I'm starting to get anxious now, Michelle. I'm like, I'm <laughs> I'm like riled up, I'm you know, really stressed. So yeah, what do we do when our, we feel our, our values are violated? Mm-hmm. We feel powerless that anybody cares about us, that anybody's going to do anything for us. Now I have to endure mm-hmm. this and there's nothing I can do. And how do we? I think we've got to challenge that idea of there's nothing I can do. I think when we get stuck in that idea of there's nothing I can do, it might be when we're focusing on the wrong things. So sometimes when I've got a lot of clients that are really struggling with what's in my control, what's out of my control, Hmm. I might have them draw two circles for me. I might have them draw one big circle. I'm going to say, we're going to put anything that truly is out of your control there. I'm going to have you draw a separate circle. And the things that are actually in your control, even if it's hard to see, or maybe even hard to do, but possible to do, Mm -hmm. we're going to put that there. And we start to kind of take a look at things like this. Like, ultimately, whoever wins whatever election, whether it's local, whether it's state, whether it's national, the ultimate winner, the outcome might be out of my control. But what is in my control? I can vote. I could have a say through that. I might be able to do other things, like encourage other people to vote and volunteer. Hmm. So, but what what if I feel I'm, I'm going to give some pushback? Yeah. So, all right, but I did vote and I have been involved. And look, it didn't work. I can't believe all these other people voted for this person. And I, you're... You're telling me to do these things and I've done that mm-hmm. and I'm still not seeing any results. So what do we do? Yeah. What do you think with that? Like if it's we're seeing that we are placing all of that idea of change on 
the right person being in office. Mm-hmm. Do you think we need to see that in a different perspective, in a different light? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I do. And I think in the two circles you talk about, there's yeah. always one thing that will always be in that circle mm-hmm. of what I can control, and that is how I respond. Mm-hmm. And so I can control that. And I always have control over that. Now, sometimes I don't feel I have control over it because my emotions are are still like really ramped up and there's intensity there. And that doesn't mean I don't have control nor responsibility mm-hmm. to control that and bring the intensity down. And just because I don't know how to doesn't mean I can't learn to. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that's, that's a big thing too, is, is I can control how I'm going to respond. Because I, I really want to emphasize this because I think a lot of times what I hear in our culture is that you made me mm-hmm. this way. Or because this person is elected, therefore my life is ruined. Now, notice all the power we give to this person and also the all or nothing kind of mentality. My life is ruined. Mm-hmm. Because this person is elected. I don't know about you, but I like going to my job every day. I like coming home to my family every night. I love doing things on the weekends. I love, well, I used to love watching the Packers play, but they're in a terrible season. Mm-hmm. But I, And who's ever elected isn't really having any impact on the things I really enjoy every day, mm-hmm. those simple pleasures. Sure. So I think we can... We can sort of get away from that dichotomous way of thinking about our life. Now, it's going to be really controversial. I think we can get away from the dichotomous way we look at political candidates, Mm -hmm. which is hard because we're getting this deluge of dichotomous communication about each candidate. Mm -hmm. And either mine's all perfect or... This one's all bad. And we can look at the person whom we didn't vote for and be able to acknowledge and validate, yeah, I really don't like this at all about this person. And I can find something that is redemptive about this person because who really is a person that's non-redemptive, has no redemptive quality? So I, I really want to challenge, I challenge myself and challenge all of our listeners to be able to have that balance, that dialectical balance to the dichotomous pitch we're always hearing. And that really can impact how I choose to respond. And we don't want to minimize that. I mean, elections do have impact um, on people. And, um, and that's part of the stress, too, is a lot yes. of people worried about, like, um, for some people, yeah, maybe their day-to-day life isn't as affected and some people's day-to-day lives are, but at the same time too, to remind ourselves of how we actually can empower ourselves, even when we both take advantage of our rights to vote and be heard, and also to even broaden and expand our reach outside of that as well too, to know that no matter what happens at these midterm elections, um, there will always be another one. And to know that anybody can take that as an opportunity to say, well, if I'm really passionate about even just like a cause and I want to see change within that cause, there is more than just even who I elect or, or 
vote for to be able to be able to see that change. And I think that's where like volunteering can be and becoming really a part of local organizations can make a really big difference for a lot of people and starting to help with that stress and help them to feel empowered again too. And I really like what you're saying because you really highlight the dialectical Mm -hmm. balance of, yeah, this is frustrating and we can validate. I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. I might even feel hurt. I might even feel betrayed and have lots of negative emotions. And the other side of that is I can still do things. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're saying is, there, there still is hope. We live in a country where we have freedoms to still pursue things. Mm-hmm. There are things we can invest in. We have freedom of speech. And so there are things, and it's not as dire mm-hmm. as we think. It's not that my life is ruined. Yeah, there are violations of what might be my values. And I can still work and trying to uh, actualize those those values still. So it's not this all or nothing uh, scenario, and you're really providing a sense of hope yeah. in the midst of the powerlessness we feel. Right. So let's think more about when I think about my in my control circle and all of the mm-hmm. things that we can start to put in there. Um, Brett, you already mentioned knowing and reflecting on like I know what my personal values and my stances are. Um, we can look at things like even now when we're recording this, we're not quite to the election yet, but even at this point, researching candidates, understanding local amendments, what's being kind of put up to vote during this time and doing it through some great sources, um, actually a really great nonpartisan uh, resource that I recommend anybody check out is called vote411.org. And I really like it because they don't just focus on like the big name, splashy, mm-hmm. the national, the state elections. They drill all the way down to what is happening in your county, your city, um, really giving you all the information so you can make really great informed choices on mm-hmm. who do I really feel best represents me and what I'm interested in. Yeah, it sounds very empowering. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then exercising that right to vote, of course, as tempting as it can be to kind of, you know, give into that stress and that feeling of powerlessness, you will actually feel empowered by being able to actually go and vote and make that voice feel heard. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, we talked about volunteering for causes that you care about. We can do this beyond elections. Um, helping to campaign for people that you prefer or joining organizations that just, again, generally encourage people to vote um, becomes very empowering and allows others to kind of be able to lift their voices and help them to be heard too. Hmm. But with stress, we have to also look at what can I do that's in my control to help that? I need to figure out what are my symptoms of stress? What's that root of that stress? Sometimes when we have people coming in talking about election stress and how they feel um, that powerlessness, sometimes we take a closer look and sometimes you're feeling powerless in other areas of your life as well. That's going to be something to think about and to reflect on. Um, Thinking about how you can cope with your stress. Have you ever found anything that was really helpful to cope with election stress at all, Brett? Yeah, I yell at the TV. (laughs) I kicked the dog. Uh, you no. know, I, I complained to everybody. You know, I and I would never kick my dog Taylor. She's no. the most adorable dog. She's too sweet. 
but you know, I do find you know, I have urges, and I have yelled at the TV. I've never had an urge to kick my dog, but you know, to yell at the TV, and 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 those are signs to me, like, wow, my my anger is, mm-hmm. is high. Mm-hmm. And one thing I, I maybe want to mention, anger, we know, mm-hmm. is it's a secondary emotion usually, yeah. and so. It's uh, behind our anger is fear or sadness. Mm -hmm. And I just want to take a little tangent on this because I think many of us feel anger and that's what's the most visible. Mm -hmm. Um, We are are angry. And especially when we feel like control has been taken away from us, we feel angry. And maybe one thing to consider as you're bringing up this topic of stress and how do we cope is just be mindful. When I'm angry, what's really behind that is I'm either fearful or sad or both. Mm -hmm. And to go to that primary emotion and sort of just acknowledge that, that, yeah, I'm just really sad about this. This really bums me out. And I'm a bit fearful. Mm -hmm. And that can actually bring some of that intensity of our anger down so we're not reacting. We can be more proactive with Mm -hmm. that, like you're encouraging us. I've always loved, I that was going to be my example of talking with other people about those thoughts and those feelings that are coming up. And I, to be forewarned, though, it is okay too if you need to put boundaries in place um, with who you're having those conversations with. Um, particular if there is someone who wants to take, you know, if I'm attempting to talk to, about my feelings with it and they want to take it as like, oh, let me give this as an opportunity. We're going to debate. <laughs> you can set that boundary in place. No, this isn't actually at all, you know, what I'm interested in doing right now. Um, that might not be a support person. I might not go to in that moment. Um, I'm really just looking to kind of share about those fears, mm-hmm. about those feelings and to be able to um, just kind of know and just kind of validate that I am feeling that way in this moment. And I think it's, you bring up a really important point too. I think that when we're listening to somebody talk, mm-hmm. have you ever had somebody who assumed you are aligned with their political beliefs Absolutely. and they just sort of get, they're talking <laughs> to and you're like, oh man. And, and we kind of get into those debates because yeah. our, our stress goes up, you know, our emotions mm-hmm. are intensified. And so maybe it's resisting the urge to try to convince somebody else yeah. and just validate how somebody feels. That doesn't mean we agree with them. Mm-hmm. I always tell parents with their kids, validate their emotions. Even if they're they're sad about something that couldn't happen, and even though that thing they wanted to have happen, you knew wasn't appropriate for them, mm-hmm. don't Start with change, like, well, that really wasn't going to be the best crowd to hang out with anyway. Mm-hmm. We start with validating. Yeah. And it doesn't mean we agree. <laughs> and it helps bring other people's in level of intensity of their emotion down. And I think in our culture, the, the temperature is pretty high. Mm-hmm. And we can really do a lot to bring that temperature down in our relationships, if we just validate and say, yeah, it sounds to me like you're really bummed out. This did not go well. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like it makes sense that you're really upset about this. Yeah. And I don't have to agree with them. Mm-hmm. I can help. And it, it, it doesn't help me to get into a debate because I'm just going to get frustrated now, too. Mm-hmm. And now we start to think, well, can we even coexist? Mm-hmm. And we can yeah. if we start with validation of our feelings, validation of other people's feelings, and we can we can still disagree. And another thing I how 
a lot of people think about that is in your control to help with, you know, reducing your own feelings of election stress is evaluate that role of social media and the news when it comes to it. Really ask yourself this question, is it keeping me informed or is it keeping me stressed? Mm-hmm. I think that's a great question because what I found in the media, I think the media, this is just my, there's no scientific study, this is just my little observation. You know, that all that fake wrestling, you know, that is so entertaining for people, they they make, you know, a ton of money. And how do they do it? They create a villain mm-hmm. and that's what they do. They don't create a hero. They create a villain because they, they again, put this person and tee this person up as all bad, mm-hmm. right? There's nothing redemptive again. And that gets people up set and they're waiting for the hero to come in and do some justice. And I think that the media, social media has done the same thing in politics because they, they're really into it to make money. And so they know if they can get our ire up and we're really angry and they can do that day after day after day, we're going to keep coming back. They're going to get clicks and views. Right. (laughs) AKA. AKA advertising dollars. Right. (laughs) Yes. Lots of money. So I think you, you bring up a good question of, is this really benefiting me? And also trying to look behind that and remember they're in a business to make money and that works for them as long as I am getting activated and I am getting upset and maybe evaluate how often am I going here and how often do I really need to be going on the social media platform. I was going to say, how much different do you think U.S. elections would be if literally like a site like vote411.org, where you just get your candidates, their platform, well, and, and then that, that was the only <laughs> thing you made your decisions based yeah. on. Well, that's no fun, <laughs> right? Because, right? I mean, seriously, what makes it entertaining is all the emotion that goes into this, mm-hmm. Right. So then we have to think about, and that's where I kind of ask that question, is it keeping me informed or keeping me stressed? Some people might be thinking, well, in a, in a way, is it about information or is it more about entertainment? And in a way, it's like I get to learn about the sickest jab that's been made against this opponent that I don't like. Um, is that really what's going to be best and helpful for me? Right. Right. Yeah, we are drawn to emotion and marketers and advertisers know this. Mm-hmm. If they get the emotion, mm-hmm. they're going to get an action from us. Mm-hmm. And what that is going to mean money for them. Mm-hmm. And so we forget that. Yeah. And we are drawn to all the emotion. Emotion, it's not that emotion is bad. Mm-hmm. Emotion isn't good or bad. It does make life interesting, though. You know, it's something that makes relationships uh, much more fun. And so I, I love what you're saying about what's that place again? The the vote, is it the number four? Vote 411. The number is 11. Yep. So vote 411.org. I like it because when it comes to politics, too much is at stake mm-hmm. to get sidetracked and hijacked by my emotions. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that. My brain is still engaged because really what happens when our emotions are intensified and elevated to like eight, nine, 10 out of 10, that frontal part of our brain, our head, where you have your forehead right behind there is where we have our reasonable, rational thinking. But when I get to an eight, nine, 10 out of 10, 
that just shuts down. Mm -hmm. And I'm not making decisions so much on reason, but on pure emotion. And so social media Mm -hmm. does just that. It it shuts that part down. And I I just, I like that website because I want to make decisions based on on the facts and not the feelings. Right. And not, not the, feelings the latest hard. political attack ad that's been released. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that's <laughs> yes. you know, why do those why do those work? Well, and, and you see candidates who will say, I'm not going to use negative ads. And then they always do. Well, they always do. <laughs> why? Because they know it works. works. Mm-hmm. And it works because it gets our emotions yes. elevated and intensified. And we see this other person as all bad, unredemptive. And this other person is all good. So, yeah, I just can't stress that enough and try to have uh, just this awareness, Mm -hmm. but also uh, awareness even post-election that, okay, this is where I am. I'm really, really angry Mm -hmm. and it's okay, but making sure that where's my anger and asking, where am I? I'm at an eight, nine, 10. If I'm at an eight, nine, 10, it doesn't mean my anger is wrong. It just Mm -hmm. means that the intensity of my anger compromises my effectiveness of my anger. Mm -hmm. Good awareness skills, I think we need to have post-election. I think also we we need to think about what we talked about recently with Mm -hmm. Dr. Karen Ryan. Yes, Uh, I was going to mention that too. We just did an entire um, podcast episode recording about the concept of radical acceptance. So please make sure after you listen to this one um, to check that one out as well too. Um, And what do you think, Brett, in terms of how radical acceptance can help with getting through, especially with an election where maybe the results and outcome wasn't what you were hoping for? Well, that's a great question. Radical acceptance. Uh, the word radical means I am all in. I'm, I'm going to accept this, not just cognitively, but all of my emotions, even my actions are going to reflect that I accept this. And, and it's not doesn't have to mean the same thing as being like, I have to be okay with it. It doesn't mean I approve of it. And that's yeah. why we're so resistant to radical acceptance, because... If I radically accept something, it sounds like I approve of it. Okay. So my beloved Green Bay Packers are having a tough year this year. Okay. I have to radically accept that. And it's really hard. And it doesn't mean that I approve of it. It doesn't mean like, hey, this is great. Right. I love getting frustrated every Sunday I'm not going to be out there cheering each time they lose. Right. Like, yeah. Yes. It's so... And that's just kind of a fun example, yeah. but it does highlight when it comes to serious things that are kind of a part of our being at our core, mm-hmm. it's it's super hard mm-hmm. because it does feel like I'm approving. I, I, I don't have to approve of it. I can still accept it and still not approve of it. Right. Your stress level is now going down because of your ability mm-hmm. to say that it's a rough season, but we're getting through the rough season anyway. Right. And that can be okay. Were you talking season in terms of politics or Packers? I was talking about the Packers. Oh, okay. You know? yeah. <laughs> it applies to both, doesn't well, the, it? You know, the Vikings too. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but it does apply to whether it's Packers or politics mm-hmm. or Vikings. It's a rough season. Mm-hmm. This isn't forever. Mm-hmm. This isn't all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And notice even the, the dialectical balance of, acceptance, I can accept it and I don't have to approve of it. Yeah. 
So I think that's huge when we can have this radical acceptance and realize that, hey, this is reality. Mm-hmm. I need to move forward. And, and we use in DBT this whole concept of radical acceptance comes from dialectical behavioral therapy founded by Marsha Linehan. And th- there's a great little equation that, that pain with the assumption that the pain that I don't have control over mm-hmm. plus non-acceptance equals suffering. Yeah. And we know that, right? The, the more, uh, if my kiddo isn't coming home when they were younger and in high school, if they were late, I could pace, look out the window, complain how they haven't called, and I'm suffering mm-hmm. because I have no control over that. And I'm not accepting that this is reality. Right. But pain plus radical acceptance equals survival, mm-hmm. serenity. Things like that. Wouldn't that be nice in our country if no matter what the elections do, if we could have radical acceptance and have some survival, some serenity, rather than the suffering that we we really kind of bring on ourselves and the media really reinforces. So this brings me to my final point about the podcast for today that I was really, really excited to make. And my thought is how much better <laughs> would this country be <laughs> if we had a therapist as president? I think uh, what we're hearing today, uh, <laughs> live for me, recorded by you, is Michelle making her bid for 2024, 2024 <laughs> the therapist in chief. Yes. I uh, I think it, you know, it, not to oversell our importance right. in our culture, but I do think. There is this idea that our culture is really anxious mm-hmm. right now. We are very anxious. We're extremely divided. We do need some help. We do. And to think about how much it would mean for leadership. Uh, this actually reminds me a little bit about um, the trauma-informed uh, workplaces podcast I just did and how much it would mean for leaders and in that podcast to talk about work leaders but in this case i think it's our national leaders too Mm. um to get work and help on understanding mental health but also understanding even too how do we start to kind of change these dynamics of how elections are run of being able to um kind of reduce a lot of that dichotomous thinking and talking of an at each other mm. and really kind of finding ways and able which we're able to work together um not only would that have i think a very dynamic um change in our elections but also then for everybody in the country and how they experience election process as well mm, that's a great point and if i was present you know yes yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, we'll have a little link to our podcast where you can Make your uh, campaign donations to <laughs> Just Michelle. Don't actually send money, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can to me. Anyway. <laughs> Brett will take so, it. <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, it's fun to laugh because yeah. laughter. We did an episode on is laughter really the best medicine? Yes. And I think that is something we need to be able to do post election. Mm-hmm. And remember, I love this line. I don't know where I've heard it, but it's so good. Conflict is unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Combat is optional mm-hmm. and we're going to have conflict no matter what happens yep. post-election, but we don't have to be combative with one another. And that's going to start not with the other side changing. That's going to start 
with me changing. Mm -hmm. And using some of these skills we're talking about, a lot of skills we've talked about in other other podcasts yes. about how to deal with stress, how to yep. deal with anxiety. And we can, uh, to sound sort of anecdotal, we can be that change, right? <laughs> but it really does. It yep. starts with me, it starts with you. And hopefully we can be far less combative with one another, mm -hmm. validate, understand, and bring the temperature down in our country. And imagine how much more that would happen if we had a therapist in chief. Mm-hmm. Let's make it happen, people. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, as always, we love to hear from our listeners. And you can feel free to email us at podcast at nystromcounseling.com, um, including whether you would support our bid for president. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Thank you as always for listening and please be sure to leave us a review. While this podcast can't be a replacement for therapy, we hope you enjoyed our discussion today and join us again next time. Nice German Associates is always available to those who are struggling. If you find yourself in need of support and help, please check us out at nicestermcounseling.com.